Welcome to the party. It's another beautiful day in the Granite State, and welcome to the Party Line Podcast. My name is Colin Booth, Communications Director at the New Hampshire Democratic Party, and I'm here with your host, New Hampshire Democratic Party Chair, Ray Buckley. Hey, thanks a lot. Greetings, Granite Staters, and welcome to the third episode of the Party Line Podcast hosted by me. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking uh, to our own, the highest-ranking Democrat in New Hampshire politics, Executive Counselor Cindy Warmington. Sounds great, but first, updates for the New Hampshire Democratic Party. Chairman, can you tell us a little about what's happening at the party this week? Well, this week, we've got the Rockingham County Democrats hosting their annual clam bake this Saturday, May 6th, with special guest speaker, Congressman Chris Pappas, Senator Maggie Hassan, and I'm going to be the MC. So visit RockinghamCountyDemocrats.org for tickets. Uh, also, the upcoming McIntyre Shaheen Hunter Club dinner that this year is going to be held next Friday, May 12th at the Sheridan in Nashua. I can't stress enough, we will be absolutely sold out, so you better buy your tickets soon. And we've got a couple of very important special elections coming up. We need volunteers to help elect Democrats in these hugely important races. Uh, Democrat Mark Plamondon is running for state representative in Nashua's Ward 4 on May 16th. And Maxine Mosley is running for alderman in Manchester's Ward 6 in a special election on May 9th. Visit our website at nhdp.org or email us at political at nhdp.org to learn more about getting involved and in those races and for tickets to the 100 Club Dinner. As usual, lots of great stuff going on. Love a clam bake. Wish we had more seafood-based events. Uh, well, the dessert actually is the best. Really? Strawberry shortcake. Fresh strawberry shortcake. Wow. Unbelievable. Better, better than the lobster. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Well, I'm a vegetarian, so of course it's better oh. than the lobster. Okay. Well, you know lobsters scream when you put it in the pot? I know. It's the yeah. best part. Okay. Uh, This week in political news in the Granite State and beyond, George Hansel, failed candidate for Congress and failed mayor, has announced he is not running for re-election of the city of Keene after only serving two terms. Chairman, what do you you make of George and his uh, future? Well, this is the guy that couldn't beat Bob Burns in the primary, so um, he's kind of uh, not to be taken uh, terribly ser- uh, seriously. Uh, he, do- he does, of course, take himself very seriously, but uh, everyone that I talked to uh, over in Keene uh, believes that he could not get reelected after uh, his uh, race for Congress when he came out uh, with such far uh, extreme right positions in order to try to win that primary. And he got clobbered by, you know, this guy who really is sort of a inconsequential character that puts his name on the ballot every two years, uh, never to win uh, anything. So uh, George, you know, I guess he's got a, a, a business t- uh, to run with his dad. And um, I would suggest he keep on doing that. Love a little nepotism, love a little uh, family business. Well, it works for the Sununa family. It sure does. Mm -hmm. CNN announced uh, they will be hosting disgraced former President Donald Trump in a town hall in New Hampshire next week. Now, Chairman, do you think this sets uh, something of a dangerous precedent in normalizing the former president and his his behavior? Notice that it's not Fox News, Mm. that it's CNN. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I don't think that he has done an interview with CNN or appeared on CNN in this sort of a format 
since like 2015. Yeah, he kind of made uh, attacking them a huge part of his uh, public image. So uh, look at, uh, let's be honest, Uh, every time uh, Donald Trump is given a microphone, it's dangerous for our democracy. It's dangerous uh, for uh, our country. He, uh, you know, certainly initiated uh, January 6th, uh, where people lost their lives, uh, and democracy was under attack, unlike ever before in American history. So, uh, dangerous is absolutely the right word uh, to say that when you give Donald Trump a full hour, um, he's completely detached from reality. Uh, if you saw that interview that uh, he did the other day when he was in New Hampshire, um, uh, to say he's completely cuckoo birds um, is an understatement. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, if I didn't have to watch for, um, for my job, I probably wouldn't be watching at all because I don't think it's great to give him uh, a platform like that, especially no. here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Well, on the topic of CNN, you know, Chris Sununu... Talking about somebody getting too much exposure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chris Sununu has been seen... uh, This week, he was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner sitting at the CNN table. Um, This comes after a really long line of -of out-of-state trips. You know, as Sununu continues to run for president, you know, he's polling right around 0% nationally. If he's even mentioned, you know, he's frequently getting lapped by some of the lowest performers in the field, like Vivek Ramaswamy. You know, just... Does he is he even in this state anymore? I mean, is he even doing the bare minimum? I, I was I was told uh, that there's a rumor going around the state house that Christian Nunu only appears at events where he can wear a black tie. Uh, so that's why he was uh, in New York last week uh, for uh, the Time 100 dinner, which he was not even listed, but somehow he found a ticket uh, and. Uh, some thought that when the uh, cat appeared on the walk uh, runway uh, for the Met Gala, that it was going to be Chris Sununu that took off the head, uh, but it was not uh, Chris Sununu. So I have yet to see a picture of him uh, on in the along the the red carpet, but uh, I'm sure he looked just dapper uh, in his. Look at this guy's checked out. He's he's not focusing on what's going on here in New Hampshire. He, he the gleam, the excitement, the sparkle in his eye every time a camera is in front of him he he is madly in love with yeah. a camera yeah his fame seeking it's it you know it's always been a little bit bad but it has really gotten shameless i mean it feels like you know he's he's totally ditched the new hampshire press yeah there you know i it's wonder he didn't change his last name because with sunu nu nu you know maybe he really wants to do some me 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 <laughs> Uh, well, awesome, wonderful, Chairman. Thank you so much for the updates this week. You betcha. As I mentioned at the top this week, uh, we have with us the highest elected Democrat in New Hampshire state government, Executive Counselor Cindy Warmington. Cindy, you were involved in the community, uh, in so many organizations, including the, the state party, uh, uh, for so many years. And then 
you decided to run for the executive council. Uh, what inspired you uh, to make that move? Well, as you mentioned, Chairman, I was a long-term grassroots activist in the party, chair of the Guilford Democratic De- Democrats and secretary of the Belknap County Democrats when I lived up there, a member of the state committee, and prob- probably the longest-serving chair of the New Hampshire Democratic Democratic Party's platform committee ever um, for almost uh, 10 years, I think. And um, it, I really never considered running for office. I enjoyed uh, working to get other Democrats elected. But when the executive council position opened up, I looked at it. I thought it was something I was uniquely qualified for. And uh, I thought I could do a really good job for the people of New Hampshire. So I, so I ran. Your district is... Uh been gerrymandered into this impossible giant T almost in the sense that uh, you go all the way down to Keene uh, up to the uh, Hanover Lebanon Upper Valley area and then of course over to Concord how do you uh, find the the varying interests uh, to balance or do you think that they're generally all uh, similar very different from one end of my district to the other I represent cities and towns as you probably know 81 cities and towns altogether. 49 of them are new to me, and the, as you mentioned, the issues are very different from some of the same, housing and workforce, child care, I hear all across the district, but in my more rural districts, I'm hearing things about, a lot about broadband, the access to broadband, transportation issues, um, and uh, most recently dealing with uh, the strain on our emergency medical services system up in the North Country. So the issues are very different all across this very large district. Well, with three years on the council now, you've had to make a, a, a lot of really tough decisions. What is the one that kind of stands out as your toughest uh, decision that you had to make? After I do all of my homework, after I read everything, ask all the questions I have to ask of the departments, the agencies, uh, as I reach out to the stakeholders, I listen to everyone. I don't really find those decisions tough to make. The guiding principle for me is always what is best for the people of New Hampshire. And once I've determined that and assessed the situation, I don't find these to be difficult decisions. Getting there is a process. Um, I would say that the toughest thing that I have encountered on the Executive Council is learning how to lead from a minority position four to one. As you know, uh, we hold only one seat on the executive council. And it was important to me from the beginning to figure out how I could use that one voice to make a real difference for the people of New Hampshire. That was the really the toughest challenge for me. But I think that I've been really effective at that. So um, you've only known uh, serving with uh, Governor Sununu. Uh, and it, it, from what I hear, it's vastly different uh, depending on who the governor is. Uh, but it also is uh, different on who you serve with on the executive council. Uh, you know, there were times where we had uh, the majority of the executive council, Democrat or Republican, uh, were phenomenal leaders that stood up. Uh, we know that in the 1970s, uh, when it was Dudley Dudley and Lou D'Alessandro and Malcolm McLean uh, joining together for a number of years. Uh, and then, of course, when Democrats took control for the first time in in 2007. See, but you've got a particularly interesting challenge because the folks that have stumbled onto the executive council as Republicans, uh, you've got two losers, uh, two candidates that ran for, for governor, lost uh, quite decisively. 
Uh, and then you've got David Wheeler, who's, you know, in and out, in and out, in and out. Because uh, every time uh, a real strong campaign uh, is run against him, especially against Deb Pignatelli, uh, he loses. So he's he's marked as a loser. And I, I don't really hear much or know much about the other one, Janet. Um, you know, for male egos, being losers, uh, they they tend to not take that well. How do you interact with these losers? Um, I, I do not call them losers. Um, they are uh, my fellow counselors, and I treat everyone on the council with dignity and respect. And Do they I, treat you that way? They do. Good. It is a, actually a very collegial body. We don't agree on almost anything at the table, and we fight it out at the table. But off the table, we are very collegial, and we work together uh, when whenever we can. When we have issues that overlap in our districts, I will reach out to the other counselors and work together with them. And I think that that was really made, uh, and this is really when I talk about learning how to lead from a minority I mean, that comes in a variety of ways, right? Getting public attention on a topic, sometimes putting, you know, political pressure where it needs to be, asking tough questions so that they have to be held accountable, um, pointing out problems with their positions, um, but also working directly with them. And uh, I'll, I'll just give an example, um, affordable housing. For example, the governor put forward a plan for, a f for housing, $100 million of housing that didn't include the word affordable in it anywhere. And I worked with each one of those counselors to talk to them about how that this plan wouldn't work for any of our districts. And all five counselors voted uh, or rejected that initial plan and forced the governor to come back with a plan for affordable housing. Uh, we had a similar situation on the $15 million for the psychiatric hospital where I reached out to them and talked to them about the concerns that I had have ensuring that that money would actually result in addressing the ER boarding crisis that we have for mental health um, beds and, and was successful in that. So I think that for me, what has worked best is, you know, reaching across that table and building those relationships and making sure that where we can find, where we can find solutions that work for the people of New Hampshire, we do, and where we can't, we just make sure that we hold them accountable and make sure the public hears about what they've done. Yeah, the Executive Council deals with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of appointments every year, uh, deals with uh, contracts nonstop. Uh, uh, it's un unbelievable the amount of work that uh, the Executive Council uh, is asked to do. Uh, so we hear a lot about uh, some of these appointments and some of these contracts because they make the, the news, but there's a lot that we don't hear about. Um, can you uh, think of a uh, contract that is act was actually very impactful on the people of New Hampshire, uh, but that uh, people didn't hear about? I'm not sure people heard much at all about that psych hospital that I was just talking about, but that is... Um, it's in, very important to addressing the mental health boarding crisis. So that's, that's an example. We have, we, as you say, we address literally hundreds of contracts at each meeting. And some of them will, for instance, impact um, environmental issues, um, appointments to the 
Public Utilities Commission. People may not hear about that. People may not hear about the appointments that we make to the Department of Energy or all the contracts that go out of the Department of Energy, but those will have a direct impact on the environment. Um, contracts that, for instance, fund uh, public safety issues, particularly uh, those involved in schools. I don't feel like this governor does enough or anywhere near enough to uh, address the real concerns that we have about gun violence in our schools. But I think that um, when we do um, put, put money towards public safety of our schools, that's something that people um, probably don't know about. Now, uh, speaking to former uh, executive counselors, um, I was shocked at how uh, oftentimes uh, counselors will come to the table without any preparation. Um, and so how do you ensure that, uh, you know, these processes remain fair and unbiased when for oftentimes people hadn't bothered to, to really read the contract or the background on the person and they can easily slip into uh, just kind of following the leader? Right. So. I read everything, and everyone knows that by now, <laughs> um, because something will come up at the table, and you know, someone will ask a question of how, how many dollars was that, and I will know the exact dollar amount. I will know how the contract is funded, um, and uh, you know I know the details of the contracts. I also know what the other counselors like and don't like about contracts. So there, sometimes it's um, helpful to me to be able to point out to another counselor if a contract contains something in it that I know that they will not. Um, support advanced payments is a is a good example of that. Um, also, with respect to nominations, uh, if, if if we're having a public hearing, then I'll have an opportunity to ask those questions at a hearing and bring in that in that way bring uh, bring any kind of um, weaknesses that I want to um, bring to the attention of the other counselors that can come out at a public hearing. When it is not a public hearing, um, oftentimes there are stakeholders that I either personally reach out to or who reach out to me. And when that happens, I am um, always clear to um, have them reach out to the other counselors and make sure that the other counselors hear their concerns. Because as you well know, the magic number on the executive council is three. And if you don't have three votes, you're not going to get, um, going to find your way. And so for me, working towards those three votes in a whole variety of ways is really critically important. Now, uh, former, uh, the late uh, long-term counselor Ray Burton said that uh, the, the most important job of an executive counselor isn't necessarily the contracts or the appointments. It's really uh, constituent services and, and connecting uh, citizens uh, with uh, the appropriate person within state government. How often do you actually hear from people uh, that are in need of that sort of assistance? Uh, every week, <laughs> at least. And, and sometimes it's an individual, and I'll give you the most simple example. Somebody's in Florida, they've lost their license, they can't fly back, uh, they're having trouble getting uh, through the, the bureaucracy at DMV, they give me a call, I can make a call on behalf of that person and, and make sure they get their license right away, simple, something as simple as that. But something, uh, one time I was, I had a person come up to me and tell me that they had been offered a job at a hospital, uh, they're a physical therapist, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting on their license. And uh, the hospital, you know, was delayed in getting this person in. And, then, and we're, we're having health care shortages. This is important to make sure we can get, get these employees onboarded. And I, I was able to help that person expedite the licensing process. But what was more important 
was that that caused me to dig deeper and say, why was this backlogged? And what I discovered was that we had a huge backlog, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people backlogged because of the uh, delay in getting people's fingerprinting done. And by asking those questions and continuing to ask those questions, we did ultimately get that backlog reduced um, down to where there is no backlog anymore. So you can make um, you can make a difference in the lives of one person, but sometimes those problems illuminate bigger problems for you as a counselor that I can then go and address directly with the agencies and make a difference for many more people who would never even have thought to call their executive counselor. Excellent. One last question. What do you know now that you wished that you knew on your first day of being an executive counselor? That's not an easy question. I I think that I um, was pretty well prepared for the job coming in. I think, well, one thing is I, I didn't know um, how much... Um, how much incompetence there was um, in some of our um, the in some of the governor's um, decisions. Uh, you know, we we saw it in the last meeting uh, where we talked about the number of things that are just not being done right. Um, you know, getting out the childcare money. We uh, raising issues about the um, participation in the, the supplemental nutritional program at a time when we desperately need it. We're 39th in the country on that. Getting out the rental assistance money, we saw that money go back. I mean, there was there was several examples that, that we illuminated at the last meeting. Um, if if I had known before at the beginning of this process what I know now, I would be even more diligent about getting into these agencies and um, and finding out and asking them for constant updates and status reports. And um, now, of course, we do that on a much more regular basis. But I wasn't aware uh, of just how much um, oversight really is needed of that of the governor's office. Well, great. Uh, thank you, uh, Counselor Cindy Warmington, for joining us this week. Okay. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you for listening to the Party Line Podcast brought to you by the New Hampshire Democratic Party.